it is fitting that this month we had planned that we'd be speaking into vision and speaking about what uh, what it is that we're going to be heading into as a church. And we've just spent a few weeks speaking uh, about kingdom economics. And if you haven't been with us over the last couple of weeks, then I'd love you to go back and have a listen to some of those messages. But this morning, I'm going to be speaking out of Ephesians 4. So you can turn there and I'll be starting in verse 1. It's on the screen as well. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. And here Paul gets a little bit philosophical, but bear with. Therefore it is said that when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself captive and he gave gifts to his people. And when it says he ascended, what does that mean? But that he had also descended into the lower parts of earth. He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. As I was preparing, I was like, do I just take that out we can read from just because it gets complicated but this is so important and I'm going to speak into it a little bit the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown by the wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament, with which it is equipped as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Lord, we thank you for your word that is light, that reveals to us, that shows us who we are and who we're called to be in you. And we thank you for Jesus who reveals all to us, that is the fullness of who you are that has come to show us the way. And we pray as we open up these scriptures today that we would see through him, through all that you've revealed to us, who we're supposed to be as your church. We pray for grace that we need, the wisdom, the discernment, the strength to do what you're calling us to do in these scriptures. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I find it quite fitting that we have our friend from the Anglican Church with us this morning and also that at the end of this month we're hosting in our church a gathering of leaders from every church from the Uniting Church to Hillsong to uh, a whole bunch of our ACC churches to some of uh, the smaller uh, groups um, and movements that are going on around our state all to talk about what gospel transformation looks like in our city because this is the church that we're called to be this is the church that Cornerstone is called to play a part in and this is the church that if you have become a part of our community this is the church that you are called to be and that we're working towards becoming And so out of these few passages, I want to talk a little bit this morning about what that looks like. In the second verse in chapter 4, we can jump back into the scripture if you like, Tash. It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. I've come to the conclusion that humility is a prerequisite for unity. That the reason why there is such an emphasis on the character trait of humility, not only modelled to us by Jesus, but called as uh, you read through the uh, letters to the early church and all of the scriptures that were given, the reason why there's so much emphasis on humility is because if unity is the big picture, then humility is a necessity because humility is a prerequisite for unity. You need to be able to understand one another to build a strong relationship, right? If we're to be in unity with one another, even within the four walls of this church, we need to be willing to understand the perspective of others. We need to be willing to understand that we may not have all the answers and someone else might have something to offer that is of value that can actually bring light to what's going on that we might not have seen before. They might not know something that we don't know. I used to talk about my early years uh, as, well actually I used to talk about my teenage years in two parts you know, there was kind of the time when I started going to church at about 16 as a skater walked into a skate park that they let me uh, skate for free at if I went to the church beforehand and so there's a whole bunch of people in the Christian community in Perth that have witnessed me before that, that period in time and I'm always a little worried when I encounter these people. Well, I used to be. I used to be like, oh, no, they know that, you know, 
the before side of the picture, right? That was my, that was the bit that I didn't really want people to tell stories about. I'm okay with telling stories because I can choose the bits that I like. I can choose the bits that show, you know, how good God is and how crazy it is that I even walked into a church in the first place and how much crazier it is that I'm standing here and and I can leave out the bits that are a little less than, you know, appealing. But the funny thing is now I'm probably more worried when I meet people who knew me in those early days as a Christian Because as I've grown in my faith and come to know how many times I thought I was right when I was wrong. See, when I walked into church, I knew I was wrong. I knew that the way I'd been living was wrong. I knew that uh, the way that um, my life was turning out was wrong. I'd stopped going to school even though I was part of an academic excellence program. I'd all but completely dropped out. I wasn't doing anything productive with my life. I was working a part-time job so I could buy drugs. I was, you know, I was doing something but not anything very good. So I knew I was wrong when I walked into church and I had, but then when I thought I had it all figured out, you know, five minutes a Christian, heard a few things a couple of times and surely that's right. Or I figured some stuff out all of my own accord. And, and for whatever reason, thought I knew everything. I think a combination of being 17, because clearly they know everything. And, and, you know, having found and encountered the truth that was Jesus gave me some sort of confidence that was probably misplaced in thinking that I knew everything else as well. And so I'm sometimes a little sorry to the people that I meet that might have known me back then. Because I don't think that I dealt with... I, I was that... Like if I could sum it up, I carried in my public school a fluorescent green bag with Jesus is Lord written on it. Not helpful... Thought it was helpful at the time, right? But that, that was where I was at. I've come to learn that we can't actually build productive relationships with people without humility. So it was in starting to understand that even though I knew Jesus was Lord, that confronting someone with a fluorescent green bag with Jesus' Lord on it probably wasn't the way that was going to make them comfortable enough to talk about what was going on for them. And I guess the grace and mercy of God is that he did some incredible things in that time and even through all my arrogance and thinking I knew everything and immaturity. But I've over the years learnt that I have to remember how wrong I have been in the past when I think I'm right now. I can't help but face the truth that when I thought I knew I was wrong. 
And sometimes we're in a situation where we think we know what is right. And we might even be correct. But the people that we're talking to, what else is true is the way that they see the world. What else is true is what they've experienced. What else is true is whatever context they're in. And so to bring truth to that situation isn't just about being right. It's about being humble enough to hear where someone else is at. And if we could take that as the church, as churches, maybe we could move from a place of trying to figure out how to be the most right and start to work towards this picture we have that I think is so incredibly inspiring that it's almost scary to start to read off the page. One body united in one faith. I have come to the conclusion and this one I'm pretty sure I'm right about at this stage, is that the Holy Spirit has a sense of humour. So what's happened in planning this event for the end of this month, where we're bringing in some leaders to talk about what it looks like to work alongside each other for the good of our city. And what's crazy is that every leader I talk to has been planning the same thing. And it's almost like this, it's like God says to God, because does he do that? I don't know. But, hey, how about we tell them all to do this thing? But what we're going to do here is we'll tell all of them to do it individually. But it's all about unity and then just see what happens. I've made phone calls and people have been like, oh, we were planning a thing on that day as well to talk about that exact thing. What do we do here now? Whose agenda? Whose plans? Whose ideas? Or God's agenda? but it requires humility. And the kind of humility that can only be formed by encountering the living God. The kind of humility that doesn't come from being humiliated or shamed. The kind of humility that comes from building a relationship, spending time in the presence of a God that met us where we're at. That's why one of our core values is communion. Communion with God, communion with each other. It's because out of that relationship and place of being in the presence of God and encountering Him, it's why we value spending time in worship together and why we value getting together every Sunday and 
we do our best to make that a space where people can encounter God. I'm so thankful for people like Pang who will work towards that and invest in that. How incredible to have someone lead us in worship in their, not even their first language. You imagine, like, I've, been, I've led worship a couple of times over the last, I don't know, couple of months, and it takes so much focus and concentration to lead the band, to remember to bring them where you're going, to speak and lead the church, to remember musically what's going on, and to, and to remember the lyrics to a song, let alone when you have to translate that and remember to sing it in the right language. So we appreciate what you do, Pang. Because he carries that heart that we, as a church, have said is our core value of spending time in the presence of God and loving each other enough. See, like Pang leads in a language that we understand when we are in communion with each other, we learn to speak a language that each other understands. We take the time to make sure what we communicate is going to be heard in the right way or to, t- to make amends when that goes wrong. And it goes wrong. But because we care... And what is this unity for? It's not just so we can be the most right again, but so that we can work together to do what God is calling us to do, to be his hands and feet. And we're seeing just little parts of that play out in our church. We see little parts of that play out all the way in Burma when you'll gather your friends and invest your resources in the ministry that Jeff and Margie do, then one body does something together. When the team of educators come together and are in that classroom with students throughout the week, supported by the church, backed up by the youth ministry that get alongside young people that need mentoring and spend time with them on a Friday night and drive and drop them home. When you sow into that in your giving so that we can actually pay our youth staff and have a youth a van to be able to drive them and all of those sort of things, it's one body. Because each person... And this is our second core value commission is called to do something specific but not for the sake of their own kingdom but for the sake of the kingdom of God. And I think sometimes in the church we get it either way a little bit unbalanced. We go it's all about the church and we forget that every individual has some things in their heart, in their abilities, in their calling that they've 
uh, that God has placed on their life and some of them might not fit the agenda of what the church wants to do. Something that God has placed on your heart might not necessarily fit right in the church box, but we as the body of Christ can come together and support each other in those individual things. We can be a church that empowers and equips, that prays for, that gets alongside people who are working in all kinds of fields, not just doing ministry in the church on a Sunday or even throughout the week in the church building, but what God has called you to do. And do you know what? That's still the work of the church. What you do in the world is the work of the church. What you have on your life, your calling, your abilities, your passions, that is the call to be the church. It doesn't just stop here. And so we either sometimes stop just here or we stop at our individual thing and we forget that it's part of the bigger picture. And if we go about just doing our own thing for the sake of being amazing at it or being successful or getting recognition or making money, all good and well, but do you know what? That's not a very big vision no matter how good you are at it. But when that plays a part in the healing and restoration of our world for the sake of the glory of God, that is a big picture, that is a big vision and it doesn't matter what part you're called to play in it, it is of eternal value whether it's ministry from a pulpit or whether it's teaching in a classroom or whatever job or role you play in the world The whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Something that promotes growth and health is brings life. I want to read to you something from John chapter 6. And we spoke out of this verse, I think it was last week or the week before. But Jesus says to the disciples after feeding the crowd, And they come to him and they still don't quite seem to get it. And so they ask him for a sign. And Jesus says at the end of their whole discussion, the bread of God which comes down from heaven gives life to the world. 
Then he says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And ask the band to get ready to come and join us. It's incredible to me that as a young Christian, I thought we had to believe in the existence of Jesus and then follow the rules of the church. When I read this, I realise that Jesus called the people who were standing in his midst to believe in him. So it can't be just merely believing in his existence. It can't be just believing that he was the son of God even. Although surely that moves us. But to believe in someone is to put or place value in their who they are. You think of when you believe in a friend who's starting a business. You believe in them so much that you go along and you support, you invest, you encourage them, you tell other people to go along. We've got friends who've just opened a cafe in Joondalup. I take their business cards, I tell people to go do their meetings there because I believe in what they're doing. This is kind of a bit better of a way of looking at the call to believe in Jesus. More than a friend, more than even believing in our children or our family members the way that we would. It's about being willing to place our our, our lives in the hands of God, the way that we sang about in the last song this morning, handing over all because we trust him. It's about not just considering or thinking about the fact that he existed, but it's about recognising the truth that he lived and beginning to live that out in our lives. bread of God which comes down from heaven gives life to the world. By being part of the big picture we actually become part of what gives life to the world. What an incredible privilege it is to be called to take part in that process. where he says that we should pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Where we're called to be carriers of Christ in the world, his body in the world. We know that there's a connection with body and bread and I could could literally just do weeks of studies showing all the ways that the will of God in our life and the work that uh, happens through us because of the life that he's given us. And when we bring that together as the church, as his body, it's all connected. 
But all we need to see, all you need to understand is that we're called to be part of something bigger than us. And as a church, we want to be part of something even bigger than Cornerstone Church. We want to serve our community in ways that reveal who Jesus is to them. To give life to the world. Whatever it is that God's placed on your life, in your heart, he's called to give life to the world. Because if it's from him, it'll be life-giving. And we as a church believe that we should be doing that. That's why our third core value is compassion. Where we see a need, we meet a need, but we also don't leave people in their need, but we address the reasons for the need. Giving life. Getting alongside organisations and people in our community to start to bring some hope to situations that they have no answers for. What is it that God's put on your heart that is to bring life to the people around you? Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We don't always get this right. I confess that in my walk with God, there's been times I get caught up in doing stuff because I like to see stuff get done and I forget to come to the one who is the source of life. That I've got caught up in doing my own thing and I forget to ask the question, is it giving life to those around me? I know when I encountered Jesus, I found life. Might not have been perfect straight away, it still isn't. I might not have understood everything right away, and I still don't. But I found life. So I want to do two things this morning, is offer people an opportunity to respond if there is anyone who wants to find life. And if there's anyone who wants this morning to choose to be a life giver, to recommit to making those decisions, to pursuing the call on your life, to dealing in relationships with humility, seeking unity so that we can be life givers. So would you stand with us, church? With your eyes closed, 
take a moment to consider, do you need to choose life this morning? There is a life that is awaiting you that might not be always perfect, but it's always got hope when it's found in Jesus. And there is a hope because God has made a way. Because God has called you. And the call now is, will you follow him? Is there anyone this morning that knows they need to choose life? That knows they need to make a decision to follow Jesus? And you want us to pray with you. And is there anyone this morning that knows they need to choose to be a life giver, to pursue your calling again, to make decisions in relationships again, to live in a way that the people around you, you'll be bringing life to. If that's you, I'm not going to ask you to come out the front, but just lift your hands to heaven. If you know you need to surrender those things to God, we're going to pray a prayer together. If that's you this morning, and it's definitely me, you can pray this together. I'll pray first and you can pray after me. Most merciful God, we confess that we've sinned against you in thought, word and deed by what we've done and what we've left undone. We've not loved you with our whole heart. We've not loved our neighbour, the stranger or our enemy as Christ first loved us. We are sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus, have mercy on us and forgive us that we would delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Yeah, church, we're going to come round the table now. Time of communion. And uh, God's been speaking to me, and I'm not going to delve too much into the theology of the Eucharist, but sometimes we can view communion and we can look at these things and it can be set up in a way that can be exclusive and keeping people out. It's really an invitation from the Lord into inclusion. It's an invitation for us to take part together. I've been reading this book lately by um, an Eastern Orthodox theologian, John Zizelas. Um, and he, 
writes this book, Being as Communion, and there's this quote that I'd like to share with you. In the Eucharist or the, or the table, we can find all the dimensions of communion. God, communi- God communicates himself to us. We enter into communion with him. The participants of the sacraments enter into communion with each other. And creation as a whole enters through man into communion with God. All this takes place in Christ and the Spirit who brings the last days into history and offers to the world a foretaste of the kingdom. And it's this invitation into community with God that we're going to come to now. It's a, something that we, um, we do as a church. It's not something that is um, just a sign of remembrance. It's not a, a ritual that we do, but it's something that we participate, a communion with God that we participate into, we're invited into, and we enter to. And that's what the call of the table is about, is about this call about being invited into inclusion. So church, this is the table, not of the law, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love God and for those who want to love God more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you have come for the first time, you who have tried to follow Jesus, you who have failed in following Jesus, and you who have just decided to follow Jesus for the first time, come. Let nothing keep you from love's feast. Let nothing empty the table of its power. Leave judgment behind and receive mercy. Leave indifference behind and recognize God's family. Leave now if necessary and be a forgiver. Then run back because it is the Lord who invites you. It's Jesus who includes us. It is God's will that those who desire Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit should encounter him here. So come. As uh, we send you out now, know that this time hasn't finished. If you need prayer this morning, if you feel a stirring after um, Sam ministering or Pastor Tara and her sharing this morning or just the worship team and what they've been doing, um, don't leave this place without having people pray for you. We're here for you. We'd love to hear what's going on for you. And God wants to meet you in that. But for those of us who are about to leave, we prophesy this over each other at the end of every service each week because it's who we are. So church, this is our benediction. Church, we've come as we are, but by his grace, we leave this place not the same. For in this place, the spirit that has anointed Christ has been poured out over us. He's exchanged a crown of beauty for our ashes, the oil of joy for our sorrow, a garment of praise for our despair. He's spoken over us a new name, Oaks of Integrity, and prophesied we'll grow into a canopy of his beauty to bless and rebuild this city in his unfailing, nonviolent love. So go. Broadcast good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, prophesy freedom for captives, let the blind see, set free the oppressed, live jubilee and forgive, blessing our enemies because Christ has shut the book on vengeance. Go now in his liberating grace that pardons and empowers sinners like us to participate in God's kingdom of mercy. And all of God's people said, Amen. Have a great week. Amen.